0: Hello, listeners, it's great to be with you today for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, where we provide you with information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian who set the new standard in advanced safety education training. And we're here every Thursday at One Mountain on KLZ 560 AM and streaming around the world online at drpegradio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And my guest today is Clayton Cranford, and he's also known as the Cyber Safety Cop. Clayton is one of the nation's leading law enforcement educators on social media and child safety, and he's the author of the book, Parenting in a Digital World, a Step-by-Step Guide to Internet Safety. And Clayton Cranford offers internet and social media safety programs that teach parents and students how to avoid the inherent risks of social media and other web-based platforms by using safe habits. Clayton Cranford, thanks for being back on the show with us today. Welcome.
1: Great to be back,
0: yeah, such a good topic. it's it's a perennial, favorite topic of mine. Our show is about living well and staying safe. And October is cybersecurity Awareness Month. And so this is just the perfect topic. Um, kids are, on their digital devices and certainly us adults are as well. Uh, let's start by talking about what social media platforms and digital media are out there because it seems there are new apps and games and online platforms coming out all the time almost every time I turn around there's something new I haven't heard about.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what keeps us interesting. It's, uh, I call technology a moving target. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we, have, uh, we have some research too. Uh, the Pew Research Center came out just uh, recently with its annual uh, survey of teens on technology, how to use technology. And uh, teens are saying that uh, the top three social media platforms that they are, they're spending the vast majority of the time on are um, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, and now YouTube. Uh, YouTube's really become an important uh, social media platform. Uh, a lot of parents may be thinking it's just something that they watch videos on, which is, of course, true. But there's, um, there's a lot of discussion and ideas being exchanged there because people now can create their own videos and post them, and it says a lot about, you know, who they are and what they think, and, and so that's a really important piece of social media for, for teens. Um, and then there's always, you know, new things popping up on the horizon. Um, in a way, they're not new. I mean, there's a new app but the ideas um, seem to keep repeating themselves. So um, the the most popular apps are apps where people can be anonymous Mm -hmm. and we can share ideas anonymously uh, without fear of repercussions, which um, is not always a good thing because that gives people license to act inappropriately because there's no accountability. So we have issues of threats and bullying and sexual exploitation happening uh, on those platforms. And that's something that we're just constantly battling as parents in and, and law enforcement.
0: Wow. And so um, being able to post things anonymously really opens the door, as you're mentioning, to threats and inappropriate uh, content. And also just the topic of um, reputation, digital reputation management, uh, that young people are posting things. Um, you know, from as young as 9 and 10 and 11 years old, and I want to talk to you about what's a good age to let your kids um, be on the Internet. Uh, but we have to be concerned about their, their reputation as they become adults or they're applying to college or looking for a job. Uh, how, how much of an, of an issue is that?
1: Uh, it's a huge issue. Um, most universities, uh, I think the last poll was something like in the 80 percentile that are looking at a student's online profile. Certainly if you're applying for a a scholarship or uh, maybe you're trying to get onto a college sports team or something like that, they absolutely will be looking at your social media platform because that, I tell tell students in my presentation to them, um, this is your living resume. Mm -hmm. You can put whatever you want on that application, but you can't lie about the things that you posted. And I think we've seen in just recent News. Um, a lot of stories where you know there was recently a, a student who was trying to get an internship in NASA, posted some inappropriate things or kind of unkind things about the people that she met when she toured NASA, and unfortunately, she put a hashtag NASA in her tweet, <laughs> which of course is something that everybody NASA is always searching for, and yes. she lost her internship. Wow.
0: So, well,
1: you know, things like that, it just keeps innocuous, it can be a real problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll hear more about some of those risks and cautions, and then some guidelines of how to stay safe online and use it as a tool and where it doesn't uh, ruin your reputation and your your aspirations to work for NASA. I'm talking with the cyber safety cop, Clayton Cranford. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. We'll be back after these messages.
2: One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats and yet our schools go largely underprepared. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with the maximum locking protection while meeting all life safety fire and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. Our children deserve the highest level of education and the safest learning environment possible. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. Get the QAL today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to SSIGuardian.com.
0: Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and habits? Well, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready to learn the fundamental principles and proven strategies for making lasting changes in your life, join me for an exclusive one-day Personal Transformation Retreat in this intensive yet intimate experience. experience, you'll gain vital information and insights to help you craft a customized plan for change that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your life-changing personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradiocom slash retreat. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. And it's that time of year again. Join me for my annual Pumpkin Pie 5K fundraiser. If you'd like to meet me in person, get some exercise and eat a big slice of pumpkin pie, join my team for the Pumpkin Pie 5K on Saturday morning, November 17th. 2018 at Denver City Park and there's a 5k race and a 10k race and an untimed 5k fun run great for kids although I won't judge you if you want to do the fun run all participants get a t-shirt finishers medal and a huge slice of pie and you know those calories don't count if they're consumed after physical exercise so when you register for this race be sure to check the box to join a team and then select my team, Living Well with Dr. Pegg, from the drop-down menu. And a portion of your registration goes to support my mission of sharing information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And I'll be drawing a name from members of my team to win a free copy of one of my books. And if you can't do the race, please consider gifting a registration to a friend and then tell them to join my team. You can register online at drpegradiocom slash pumpkin and join my Living Well with Dr. Pegg team on November 17th in Denver. Well, I'm speaking with cybersecurity expert, Clayton Cranford, and Clayton, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Oh, thank you. Um,
0: well, we were talking about some of the risks uh, to our reputation, that digital reputation management and anything we post, you may think it goes away. That's kind of the basis of Snapchat, isn't it? But people can, st- can still take uh, screenshots, Uh, People can still see the things that you've said, and and they persist out there. Um, So cybersecurity is really an important topic. This is uh, October Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, What are some of the other types of risks with social media and digital technology that we need to be aware of?
1: Well, uh, one of the major ones I think parents uh, should be considering is the amount of time that their kids are spending on social media. Um, Most kids don't have any kind of boundaries with regards to the time they're spending on that or even gaming. And uh, there's a lot of research coming out to show that the more our children are spending on social media, the more it's affecting their relationships with with other students, uh, with their peers, and with their mental health. And, um, I mean, Dr. Pegg, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed the rise in... Um, children who are reporting that they're for, for the first time uh, ever considering uh, suicide or having feelings of hopelessness. Uh, those are things that are coming out in the healthy student, um, you know, test that we do every year with, with, with kids in schools. So there's a real rise in depression, anxiety in children, and, and there's a lot of research to show that it's closely connected with um, what they're doing and the time that they're spending on social media. So that's, that's one important issue.
0: Yeah, and let's We're talk more, uh, Clay, giveaway. let me interrupt you there. Let's talk a little bit about that because October is also Bullying Prevention Month, and you're mentioning an increase in depression and suicidal thoughts that's being linked to to amount of time spent on social media, and there's even some research showing that different platforms have a higher risk or a higher correlation with some of those mental health concerns. And uh, sadly, mm-hmm. here in Denver, there was a 9-year-old, who killed himself after being bullied. Um, he came out as gay on uh, the, the first week of school and killed himself within days um, due to bullying. And so there seems to be some connection between bullying and certainly cyber bullying um, and suicide. Or, or is it too complex to be that simple that uh, being bullied can cause kids to kill themselves?
1: Yeah, I think, I think um, there's, there's a lot going on there. I think it is, I think it is complicated. I think, um, it's a factor, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you, you have children who are, who are at risk, who are vulnerable, especially a child who is kind of grappling with their social identity and there's, and there's so much at stake and they may already be experiencing issues of, of, you know, loneliness and, and other things that go into, you know, that, that situation. And now you, you compound that with, um, these really caustic really hateful things that are happening online and i guess the big what i tell parents the big difference between bullying today and bullying when we were children is that you don't get a break from it when we were kids and you had somebody bullying you you had a chance to go home or wherever and get away from that person today it's online it's so it's on social media 24 7 and um you know when parents make the mistake of allowing their children to keep their phone in their rooms now their kids aren't sleeping at night um they're they're checking their, their their social media wondering what is someone saying about me now Mm. and so it's just it it, it can create situations where kids are experiencing you know PTSD type symptoms because of the lack of sleep the amount of fight-or-flight you know um, response in their body and other things that are happening it's very real in some in some cases way worse than any kind of bullying that that um, our generation could have experienced
0: Man, it, there's just so much there that parents need to be mindful of and attentive to, uh, to be monitoring the time their children are spending on the devices, as you said, and also the content, what's happening. Uh, in their digital world? What relationships do they have? What's the nature of the comments that not only are being posted about them, but that they're posting? It could be that your child is the cyber bully, and uh, parents need to be aware of that as well. Um, The lack of sleep, which can be a a symptom and probably a contributing factor to depression. So yeah, it really is all kind of tied in there together. And to me, the, the message is parents need to be on top of this for their kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I tell parents that um, your your child is is keeping a very detailed diary of mm. their thoughts about drugs, sex, relationships, violence, and not just what they think, but what their friends think, uh, which is often super impactful for them. And and it's all right there for them. It's called Instagram, mm. uh, and and they mm. merely have to go there and look. I I know parents feel like, um, well, I want to give my child um, you privacy. know space. <laughs> I want to <laughs> yeah. give them privacy. And I, I, think, I think there's too much at stake for our children not to be involved, and it's okay. I, I, I tell parents, you can even blame me. Uh, tell them the, the cyber safety cop told you to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, you you have to um, – there really can't be a place in your child's life, uh, I advocate, for parents that you can't stick your nose into as a parent. Uh, I've, I've done um, – I was also on our uh, county threat assessment team, mm-hmm. and so I would go out anytime there are threats of violence and – I would get permission to search uh, a student's room who made a threat, and within a few moments, just opening the top drawer, I would find the evidence that a child was struggling with thoughts of violence or drugs or pornography or whatever it was going on. It was typically right there, just just below the surface. Wow. And if a parent had taken just a moment, they would they would have discovered it themselves even months before I arrived.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk more about uh, threat assessment and kind of talk about some of the other uh, risks as we go along. Uh, There was a, a champion gamer recently opened fire during a video gaming competition in Jacksonville, Florida, killing uh, two people wounding nine before killing himself. Uh, So when we talk about threat assessment, uh, some people feel that they should have seen that coming, they should have had more uh, security. Uh, What do we need to know about these types of events, um, online gaming, um, uh, because this is a public gathering, people might post things online about their intentions. Um, How do we make sense of all that from a threat assessment perspective?
1: Sure, yeah. I, I train law enforcement all over the United States on this, and uh, the, fr- the first thing that people need to know, just the public, is that these people don't just snap. Mm-hmm. They don't just wake up one day and decide to do this. This is a planned um, uh, uh, attack, and so uh, thankfully, uh, because they are human beings, um, they they have a typical or predictable you know, type of set of behaviors that w- they will typically go through to to accomplish something like this. And one of the things that they do is they just, they'll, they'll tell a third party. It's called leakage. They'll, they'll share their ideas or it may, it may not be explicit, but typically um, more than 80% of these kinds of shootings, somebody else knew that that person had thoughts of violence and was considering something like an attack. So, um, and, that, and that might be posted on social media. In fact, um, that was the, the first place I would go to look when, when doing a, um, a threat assessment of mm. someone's social media. But the thing that people need to know is if you see somebody talking about this kind of stuff, don't r- rationalize it away as maybe just a bad joke. Um, it, it, it's okay to let uh, authorities know so someone like me can go out and look at the situation and, you know, decide whether this is a a threat or this, this maybe is just a bad joke. But, um, it, you know, a lot of municipalities, I'm sure Denver, Uh, Does uh, has a see-something, say-something campaign. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I think we and the public, not law enforcement, can actually do to make a difference. Um, And and this particular uh, person in the shooting there um, in Jacksonville was was really suffering with mental health issues. He had a lot of um, personal home life issues, stressors, and that's one thing that um, the Secret Service and FBI has identified as as, um, as a commonality, that these people who, who are who are shooters, they have um, significant stressors in their lives. Usually, mental health is the number one, and then they also have a, a lack of inhibitors. Right, they don't have good coping skills or a family life. Things that would maybe deter them from committing violence, and, and then they have agreements. They have there's a reason why they're doing this. Like I said, they don't just snap. So, um, pe- pe- social media is probably one of the first places uh, we can find evidence of of people's thoughts and, and intentions, and that's a good opportunity to share that with someone to get them help.
0: Yeah, outstanding. And so the, these um, digital uh, technology, social media, internet platforms, gaming, they present um, opportunities, actually, to, as you're saying, get a peek into the psyche of individuals. And there's so much information that we we have access to now to actually help people. And so that's really a good thing. Um, as we're talking about some of the, the risks involved with social media, digital technology, uh, what about simply just getting hooked on our devices? I, I look around when I'm at the airport, uh, at a restaurant, even just driving down the street, People are in their vehicles on social media. They're literally walking down the street with their faces, you know, glued to the screen. They look like zombies. <laughs> Is there a risk of addiction uh, to our digital uh, handheld
1: devices? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think there's still some debate in the um, the mental health uh, practitioner community about. You know whether this is a, a real addiction or this is more kind of obsessive behavior, mm. but I think um, what we we can't deny is that it's 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 using up a lot of our time, um, and it is affecting um, our mental health. Uh, and, and certainly, with with children, whose brains are developing, um, you know, the prefrontal cortex development at an adolescent, and that's the time when they're using these devices um, the most. I think it's definitely changing the way. They interact with each other. Um, you know, um, my, I have two boys that are 15 and 17, and uh, they, they tell me that, um, you know, you don't walk up to a girl uh, at school and ask her to the dance. Um, that, that's crazy. You've got to do it via text. Wow. So there's just a, there's a, there's a disconnect between um, kind of the social, you know, um, things that we used to take for granted that I think are important. I think looking someone in the eye, and, and taking a chance and having um, having that back and forth that 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 can only happen face to face is something that's becoming a, a lost art. I can't even get my my 17 year old to pick up the phone and call call for you know uh, customer support on on a <laughs> on, a, on a, a game that he had because he's like, well, I got to talk to a person. Oh my! He's like, if I can he doesn't want to do it unless he can just do it via text messaging or, or email. So wow. there's definitely an aversion. Um, face-to-face contact and then we see that this is also impacting the way we're treating each other it's so much easier to be Mm -hmm. you know mean and hurtful Mm when you're not looking at a human being just looking at a at a screen yeah
0: yeah well i'll be in trouble if i have to do my radio interviews by text huh
1: Yeah, we're the last line right here.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, um, Clay, what is the right age for children to begin to have access to this digital world out there? Uh, we see uh, parents younger and younger. Because most kids are not going to be able to have these devices unless their parents give it to them, pay for it, pay for the service, and we're seeing them younger and younger. What are the experts saying is the, the right age for children uh, to begin to have access to the digital digital world? And I imagine it's probably not a all-at-once, it shouldn't be an all-at-once access.
1: No, and it shouldn't. And, and this is probably one of the number one questions I get uh, from people on my Facebook page or email or whatever. Um, when should I give my child a phone? Well, I always ask parents why, what is their necessity?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are they in a situation where you need to get a hold of them and they don't have another phone available? So I have very young children at my at these schools that I speak at who have phones, but they have a perfectly good working phone in the front office and their parent picks them up and brings them to and from school. So I'm not quite sure why they need a phone. And I think the main reason is that all the other kids have it, and it seems to become more of a, a social uh, social you know status type of thing that they need to have, and I don't think that's a good idea. So um, I, I would encourage parents to wait. I mean, we look at the research, and um, a, a very good uh, study that came out of uh, uh, San Diego State, that kids who spend um, three-plus hours a day on social media are 34% more likely – to have a suicide-related outcome, than kids who spend two hours or less, or if they spend five hours, they're almost half, forty-eight uh, percent more likely to have a suicide-related outcome than kids who spend two hours or less. So, oh. if you went to the phone store and that was, you know, mm. on the, you know, the the, the contract that you signed, mm. you, you might wait, you might wait for your child because, um, it, I mean, it's a very important piece of technology that they need. But do they need it now at age nine or ten? Mm-hmm. I think waiting till middle school or high school, um, or, or at least till when they need it, m- might be the better choice. As we're seeing that the the, uh, the studies coming out about how it right. affects their mental health.
0: And it, and and what's interesting about that statistic is three or more hours um, has an in- increased risk, and two or less. Has a lesser risk. So even when we do give our children access to these devices, really monitoring and um, uh, controlling the amount of time they're spending on the devices and certainly for what purpose. Because as you stated, uh, YouTube is a, is a wonderful uh, platform to, to get how to videos, for example, how to Um, You know, I've posted videos on YouTube explaining um, difficult to understand psychology concepts for Psych 101 students, and I've got thousands and thousands of views on those videos. And students are getting help for their quizzes and their exams because these concepts are being explained. So it's really not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, it sounds like. Um, It's good to be able to monitor, control, and understand for what purpose are they using these devices and technology.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, uh, uh, Apple just released uh, with the new operating system some mm-hmm. new comp- parental controls, which include um, uh, screen time limits mm-hmm. for for these devices for the children, um, w- which weren't available before. Uh, and uh, if if, a, if somebody wants to get a better understanding of how that works, um, I have a tutorial that I wrote, and it's on my website, cybersafetycop.com. And um, if parents have given their child uh, an iPhone, they absolutely should, should use those controls. And it also gives them some insight about the amount of time and what apps they're using um, on their devices as well. So, so it's good information. But I think less is more. I think parents should also be, we should be better um, examples uh, of how to do this stuff. And so that might mean that, uh, you know, I need to put my phone down. Uh, more often and, and engage with my boys in a way that uh, doesn't include technology. Um, and that's, it, it, I think it starts, you know, as, as a parent, as an, in an example, um, and engaging more, I think is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so what we're talking about um, for regarding parents and their children also applies to us as adults. Wouldn't you say that, um, you know, we may need to keep track of our screen time because we're setting the example, in fact, and setting kind of the standard and the climate in our household for our children. Um, what can you say about uh, adult use and how that does impact uh, our children?
1: That's exactly it. I mean, we, we no matter what you tell your child, they're looking at what you're doing. And um, even even when you think they're ignoring you, because I have, like I said, I have two teenage boys, and um, at times it seems like they don't want to do with their mom and dad because they're teenagers. <laughs> but they're watching and they're and they're learning, and I think the, the the example that you are setting is huge. And one of the things that I advocate for parents to do is have technology free um, meals, have a family dinner that doesn't include any kind of screens, and make it a uh, um, intentional act as a part of talking about what's going on and exploring you know, your child's day and have them chat with you about things that are going on, especially things that are challenging for them. And that gives them an opportunity to share um, their wisdom as a parent, giving them some coping strategies to deal with these issues, because YouTube's not going to tell them how to be um, a better friend. It's not going to help them deal with um, you know, uh, conflicts uh, with, with teachers or with other students. Um that's really that's something that we need to do. And, um, and, and there's again, more studies to show that when we do that in the context that I'm giving it, like in a family dinner situation, our children are less likely to have juvenile, delinquent type of high high risk behavior or even mental health issues than families that don't do it. So, and, and, and the other and the study also shows that the more you do it, uh, the bigger impact it has. So we have an opportunity um, to make a huge impact on our family, yes. and it and it's really um, does not include uh, technology. That, in the, absolutely.
0: In well, uh, thank you so much for all that great information. Listeners, if you'd like to get in touch with Clayton Cranford or share this interview with a friend, I'll have links to Clayton Cranford on my website at drpegradio.com. Thanks so much, Clayton. Appreciate you being on the show.
1: Thank you, Dr. Pegg.
0: And listeners, thank you for tuning in. We're brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. My guest was Clayton Cranford, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well.
2: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For program information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her life-transforming books, coaching, and retreats, go to drpegradio.com.